0: Well good evening Grace Church. It is great to see everyone tonight and I just want to take a minute and just welcome you here to Grace Church campus. Uh, Turn to somebody sitting nearby, give them a big smile, tell them you're glad to see them tonight in the house of the Lord. And I am glad to see you. Hope you're glad to see me. Amen. Amen. Those joining us on Facebook live and live stream, we are so glad that you've chosen to make this service a part of your evening and I pray that the service tonight... And the study of God's word is a blessing to you. Church, why don't we just take a minute and collectively uh, pray and ask God's blessing upon the service tonight. I, I like, of course, we like to start our services this way, but especially on Wednesday night. Just, you know, we've, we're in the middle of the week, the end of the day, the end of the work day. And I think it's good to just take a minute and let our spirits settle, let our minds settle just a little bit and, and just kind of... Focus in on what what we're doing here, which is studying the word and spending time in the presence of God. So can we do that together collectively and let's welcome the presence of God here tonight. Jesus, we are so thankful to be in your presence once again, Lord. And as we're going to see tonight in our study, Lord, the, the beauty and the power of your word, Lord, the riches it contains... And so tonight I pray everyone that's here, everyone that's listening and watching, Lord, that there would be a, a, just a flow of the Holy Ghost that would flow, that would minister, that would work, that would, that would just, just absolutely cultivate the faith and the power of the Spirit in our hearts and that great things would be harvested out of our time together tonight in Jesus' name. Across the building, would you just say in Jesus' name? Amen, amen. Tonight, I want to thank you, as always, for your faithfulness to giving to Grace Church, and to the kingdom of God, giving to the ministry of the kingdom. And as always, you can give online, and you can give on the way out in Grand Central in the, in the offering box, and we appreciate your faithfulness there. I have a few things to remind you of, and uh, just if you'll take a minute and, and just listen carefully, I want to remind you, uh, Brother and Sister Wheeler are celebrating their one-year anniversary at their church plant this coming weekend and we're just thrilled about this we're thrilled for what God's doing in their church and what God is um, doing through them and so they've invited our church family to celebrate with them this coming Saturday night at five o'clock at Kingdom Church and Brother Mark Wheeler will be preaching that service so we're we're prayerful we'll be praying for Brother Mark praying for the service And all that can, we want you to go and be a blessing to the wheelers and rejoice with them as they rejoice in what God has done. We mentioned it Sunday, but I also want to remind you again tonight that we have dismissed Tuesday morning prayer uh, all the way till July the 13th. That's because of the camp season, camp meeting, and we'll resume that on July 13th, Tuesday morning prayer. I'm going to come back and make a comment about junior camp in just a minute. So finally, not this weekend, but next. uh, This will be June the 18th and 19th. We are hosting right here on campus the Junior Bible Quiz State Finals. Our Junior Bible Quiz State Finals will be held right here on campus. That's Friday and Saturday, June 18th and 19th. So I want to encourage you. Mark your calendar. Write it down. And let's come out and and not not only support our, our quizzers. We want to do that. But we also... We, it's an opportunity to see what these quizzers do um, in terms of Bible quiz and how they compete, how they quote Scripture, uh, how they've committed the Word of God to their heart. And so, if you can, maybe maybe that Saturday, those that work Saturday may work out best. But come sometime during the day Saturday and watch that quiz tournament. Uh, it will be a blessing to you. I promise you. We um we have a host of people. At Tioga, you may have picked up on that tonight, that there's a lot of people uh, that are not here. There are our, our, our leadership, a lot of our leadership, our parents, and I, I think it was something like 30 kids are from Grace Church or at, at Tioga Youth Camp. And um, I'm hearing some reports coming, trickling in a little bit here and there about the wonderful things that God is doing uh, I, I don't have any kind of official numbers on who, how many registered for kids' camp, but I do know it's well over 1,000. I do know that much. And so they are, just, they are just cranking up there at Tioga. And so let's pray for them uh, the, the rest of this week that God would pour out His Spirit. No greater place to receive the, the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, than Tioga, than, you, than youth camp. And so with that in mind, of course, we have a junior camp next week, Monday. Uh, we'll begin junior camp, and we're going to have a host of kids uh, that are going to go to that. Our, our kids camp and our junior camp is probably the largest uh, uh, in, in terms of attendance from Grace Church. And so I want you to be praying for junior camp, that God would just absolutely pour out his spirit on our kids if they would come back fired up and just empowered by the Holy Ghost to do some great things in their schools when they go back this fall and to let God use them to be a blessing to our church. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's go to the Word of God tonight. Um, with, with Having said all that, I, I'm ready now. Let's, let's turn to the Word. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me. If not, the Scripture will be on the, on the screens. And tonight, our, our Bible study, we're, we're going to have a Bible study about Bible study, if that's all right. We're going to talk about the merits and the value of the Word of God and of studying the Word of God. So uh, let's dive in tonight. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read 14 through 19. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read verses 14 through 19. The words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. He says, Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. And then here's our key verse in verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, And overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so I'm just going to take a phrase from verse 15. And that will be our title tonight. We're just going to talk about rightly dividing the word. ...rightly dividing the word. Now, as you know, do-it-yourself projects DIY are the thing, right? Everybody everybody can do a DIY project. This is likely due to the availability of how-to... ...and step-by-step instruction guides online. You can build, make, or repair just about anything... ...due to the, the, the how-to videos and the instructional videos you can find online. Um, I also have noted, not that I've ever enrolled in any... ...but you can enroll in classes at your favorite big box home uh, furnishings and home supply retailer. Uh, they, they have classes now so that everybody can be a handyman or a handywoman... ...and you can DIY your projects around your house. I recently bought a new weed eater the old one had seen its better days and so I bought a new weed eater and it was a different brand of weed eater than the one I had before the one that bit the dust and because it was a different brand you know all these weed eaters you thread the string in just a little bit different they all work just a little bit different and ...try as I may, and no matter how many times I read the instruction manual that came with the weed eater... ...I could not figure out how to thread the weed eater. So I turned to the internet in a quick how-to video on how to put new string in the weed eater... ...and in no time at all it had me up and running with that nice handy how-to guide. I went back to the instruction manual to see what I was doing wrong... And for whatever reason, I had, I had read, I just kept reading over and over in the instruction manual... ...cut two strands of string and feed them in. When all along, it said cut one strand of string and feed it in. Now, you would be right to ask the question tonight... ...if I can't follow the instructions in the manual... ...what business do I have running and operating a weed eater? That is probably a fair question... But nonetheless, I did get it figured out and I did get it taken care of. It has been said that tools do not make the mechanic. Neither do cookbooks make a cook or a chef. Having a Bible does not make one a scholar. Having Bible study software and resources does not make us a student of the word. We have to pick it up and dig into its riches. The Bible has been called the instruction manual for life. It's an instruction manual for life. And you've heard that before. It's been said before, but it is certainly and undoubtedly true. And it's absolutely critical that we have our instruction manual, that we understand our instruction manual, and that we obey what we have come to learn from the instruction manual. So tonight, we're going to dive in and look at this, this framework that Paul gives us out of 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 for engaging the word and hopefully uh, dig in and, and apply it to our understanding. So a little background tonight on Paul's letter to Timothy, particularly the second letter to Timothy. Paul's letters to Timothy were oft, are often referred to as pastoral epistles. They're referred to as pastoral epistles. ...unique in the Pauline corpus or the Pauline body of writings... ...because they are personal letters to Paul to an individual... ...rather than to a church in its entirety. And they're also unique Not not only that are they written to an individual... ...but they're written to Timothy who is a very close associate of Paul's in ministry. And the same can be said of Paul's letter to Titus. Titus and Timothy... Both received these personal letters from Paul. And so Paul often involved these two ministers, Timothy and Titus. He often involved them in churches he founded and in which he was actively involved. For instance, we know Timothy helped Paul establish churches at Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. That's according to Acts 16 and 17. Six of Paul's letters to the churches mentioned Timothy in the greeting. So we know Timothy was very important to Paul. Tradition states that Timothy Timothy remained a leader uh, at the church of Ephesus following Paul's death and eventually was martyred for his faith. And so in these pastoral epistles, these letters to Timothy, Paul addresses a vast array of ministerial issues because he's writing to a fellow minister. So he, 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 he addresses these issues such as the qualifications of a minister, such as practical wisdom on how a minister should approach a task, and most relevantly for us tonight, how a minister should use the Word of God. This second letter to Timothy has a particular sense of urgency, because it appears to be the last letter that uh, it, it appears to be the last letter that Paul wrote during his imprisonment in Rome, and so specifically Paul has at least three concerns in this letter to Timothy. First, he was he was concerned for the welfare of the churches due to the persecution under the emperor Nero. Second, he was concerned because Phagellus and Harmogenes and Demas had all forsaken him, Paul said. And then last, he mentions that he was concerned because Hymenaeus uh, him- uh, him- uh, and Philetus were teaching the false doctrine that the coming of the Lord had already happened and many, many were being overthrown in their faith because of that false teaching. So he was, the, the writer Paul was experiencing a lot of anxiety concerning the state of the church during this second imprisonment. And note that we, we call this the second imprisonment of Paul. Most scholars believe that Paul was released from his house arrest after two years and went on a fourth missionary journey to Spain and then returned to Rome, where he was. He was imprisoned for the second time by Nero. So it's during that second imprisonment that Paul's writing this letter. Twice he asked Timothy to come visit him in prison. He asked Timothy to bring his coat, his scrolls, and his papers. And and so Paul very, very much reaching out to Timothy, very, uh, very much leaning on Timothy very heavily during his time of persecution and clearly desired the company of Timothy. It was a pivotal moment. And Paul reached out to Timothy and shared counsel and wisdom in this last letter. It's sort of the, it's the idea that, that, if, that Paul had to be thinking that his time was short and if there was anything he had left to say, he had better say it. And so he took the occasion to write this letter to Timothy and tell him, uh, in a sense, his last words, his last instructions, his last wisdom and counsel. So that's the background. of the the entire book of 2 Timothy, but especially what we read here tonight regarding the study of the Word. So let's look at three things that Paul exhorted Timothy to do regarding the handling and, and the consuming of the Word of God. Of course, the first thing is to study. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Paul recognized that An effective minister must study the word of God. An effective saint must study the word of God. And so thus he says, study to show yourself approved unto God. In other words, it would be Timothy's diligent study that would gain God's approval. Have you ever stopped to think about what it is that would gain God's approval? What could I do to to curry the favor and the approval of God. We know that His love is unconditional. We know that His mercy is is given to us freely and unmerited. There's nothing we could do to make God love us more or to make Him love us less. But apparently God esteems it very highly when we diligently study His Word. Apparently, he approves very highly when we diligently study his word. Study to show yourself approved, Paul said. It's the study of the word. And it's that continued study of the word that produces spiritual fruit in our lives. It allows us to maintain our walk with God, and it enables us to continue to grow spiritually. Now, I want you to note here on this point that The Scriptures were definitely written for us. Notice 2 Timothy 3.16, a verse we're going to come back to in a moment, where Paul said all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. So the Scriptures were written to us. I'm sorry, the Scriptures were written for us. They were written for us, clearly. But they were not necessarily written to us. What I mean by that is, for instance, Paul's letter to Rome was written to a congregation located in the city of Rome in the first century. That was his target audience. Though the book of Romans is bursting with theological content that is for our benefit... It is critical that we understand its original context and remember that Paul wrote that specific letter to that specific church at that specific time. In other words, that informs our Bible study as we will see in just a moment. So we must study the Bible with realities such as that one in mind. That is, that it was written by human authors to human recipients in very specific cultures, times, and places all very, very different from our own. That informs our understanding and illuminates the Scriptures when we study it. It is beyond doubt, as I've already mentioned, that, that God inspired the biblical writers. However, however, it is also beyond doubt that the Bible was produced with human hands in unique cultures and situations. So we must approach God's Word for what it is and what it says, not what we want it to be or want it to say. So it's imperative then ...that we study the Word. It is imperative that we study the Word. Had a had a great experience uh, last year, sometime during the year... ...a very wonderful, wonderful lady, very dear and sweet to us is Sister Shirley McDonald. Uh, she and her family are so dear to us. In fact, we consider them family. And she led a virtual Bible study during the pandemic... With some of her friends, and I'm not talking about like going through search for truth. i I mean that they took the book of Psalms and they each took a portion of it and they began to do a deep dive into the the context. They 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 looked into the structure and and the circumstances surrounding the different psalms that were written, the different writers. You you, you understand that David was not the only writer of the psalms. There's other others that their writings are collected there, and they they began to harvest the. The, the treasures of digging deeper into the book of Psalms. And she shared that with us, that, that very lengthy study, pages and pages and pages long. She sent that to us by email and it was wonderful to look at that and read through that and see how the Bible just manifested itself and it came alive when you understood that, that the words, the sacred words written had context, that it had character, it has, it has meaning, it, it has, it has uh, depths of meaning and levels and riches that are to be harvested. And so it, it's, the kind of, it's the kind of riches that are gleaned when we take time to study to show ourselves approved. So we must study the word of God. The second thing that Paul writes to Timothy here in this verse, chapter uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he says, study, show yourself to, uh, uh, study to show thyself to be approved a workman or a workwoman, a workperson, that needeth not to be ashamed. So we are to handle the word of God as a workman. We are to handle the word of God as a workman. When you, when you think about the term... Workman, or again, work, work woman, work person, it is natural to think of a worker and their tools. I, I think of, of like a cabinet shop or a woodworking shop. My brother is, is very handy in, in his uh, woodworking shop, and he's got a vast array of tools for different jobs and crafting woodwork. A gifted workman not only knows about and understands the functions of the tools of his trade, He is also skilled in the use of the tools of his or her craft. In Bible study, we have a host of tools at our disposal... ...historical and cultural resources... ...grammatical and literary resources. Uh, There's there's archaeological resources that, that continue... ...that field of study continues to grow... ...as they unearth new and exciting things. And we also have the experience and the knowledge of great ministers and teachers weren't you blessed Sunday by that great teaching from Sister Tinny on the subject of heaven uh, what, what, Just a great example of, of, a, of a minister, great example of a minister, an inspiring presentation from the Word of God because because not only was it the living Word, it, it was it was basted in years of experience of study of of lifestyle faith that backed up everything she said and everything she taught and everything she believed, and the Word came alive for us. It was a workman, uh, Sister Tinny was a workman that, that was handling the Word of God with great skill and great craft, great understanding. So we understand then, as we, as we dig into the, the study of the Bible and we use the resources and the tools we are given, we understand that the Bible is written... ...as a distinctive historical setting. Uh, It was written in a distinctive historical setting within unique cultures. And I've I've mentioned that already, but, but let me just go a little further and say this. In order to best understand the meaning of any given biblical text... ...interpreters should seek to unearth what the text may have meant to its original audience. In other words, we must understand the setting. In addition... The use of literary resources is extremely important. Before drawing any kind of implications about the meaning of a given text that we read, we should be sure we understand the grammar and the structure of the text. Often consulting other translations is helpful in bringing clarity. Uh, All of my life I remember my dad reading the Bible in German. My dad speaks fluent German. He also reads, obviously, uh, if you... I suppose if you speak a foreign language, that means you can read a foreign language. It's true, at least for him. And so he reads the Bible in German, and he's particularly fond of the Luther translations, very keen on Martin Luther's translation in German of the Scriptures. And all my life I can remember, and even to this day, every once in a while, he still sends me things that he's, he's gleaned from the German translations of the Scriptures. Now understand, it doesn't change the meaning of the Bible. It doesn't change... Doctrine, it doesn't change anything about what the Bible says. It enhances the understanding. Comparing another translation enhances, illuminates, um, it incorporates additional uh, understanding and knowledge to the text as we already understand it. And so he gleans, he gleans great things. Uh, just a quick example in passing, I'll share with you where the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the east is from the west. God has removed our transgressions from us. We understand that distance, east and west, they never meet. But Luther translated that as far as morning is from evening. So now you have the imagery of the sun rising and setting morning and evening. Now there's a time dimension inserted into that scripture. Not just distance, but time. That your, your sins are so far removed by the blood of, of Jesus that they can never come through time and, and and overtake you, which I think is just a beautiful, beautiful picture. And so that's an example of how another translation colors our understanding of the Scripture. Now, you don't have to go out and learn a foreign language and start reading the Scriptures in a different language in order to do this. You can take other English translations and use them in chorus and use them together to shed light and meaning and illuminating your understanding to the text of the Word of God. So there's a host of English translations out there that can do the same, can, can provide the same tool and the same context and the same uh, out, outlet for you in your study. I'll also make a comment here that Bible study, Bible interpretation is meant to be done in community. And I talked a few, it's been a while now, Several, many Wednesday nights ago, several months ago, I talked about this word community, and it, in a sense it's an over, overused word. We hear the term community all the time, especially in the church world. But as I began to reflect on it and understand it, it's a very much a biblical word. It's a very much a biblical idea. Very much uh, Jesus very much did ministry and lived his life in community. And I think everyone here, you understand that when you look at the life of Jesus, how he lived in this community of people that he was close to. So Bible study should be done. Certainly have our, our, our personal study time, but it should also incorporate community study. Have you, ever, have you ever just had a conversation with someone, sometimes impromptu, where you're, you just begin talking about the great things in the Word of God together and you start sharing insights with somebody and they, they respond with some insights that they've had and, and before long you just kind of got a little Bible study going and you walk away from that meeting feeling so enriched. You feel so uplifted. You, you, you just feel better all the way around. It's that community aspect of of studying the word and and being in the word with others i had a I had a thought uh, I guess they used to call them seed thoughts or gold nuggets but I had this thought about a, a particular passage of scripture not long ago and it's pretty pretty out of the box it's a, it's a little different and and so I ran it by pastor I uh, just uh, walked in his office and talked to him about it and before long he he started uh, just ...talking about what, it, what he thought and what it meant to him... ...and backing up his points with, with other biblical texts and other scripture settings. And we got going on the scripture and I left, I left that meeting and that, that conversation so enlightened and so uplifted... ...and my mind going in a million different directions about possible interpretations of that text... ...and that particular passage because I discussed it in community. So... Never never forget that. Never, never let that part of your spiritual walk uh, be lacking. But study the word of God in community. The last thing that Paul mentions here in this, in this verse is that we should rightly divide the word. So we should study a workman that needeth not be ashamed... Uh, Uh, a workman uh, rightly handling the word of God and then rightly dividing the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of God. What does that mean? What does Paul mean when he says rightly dividing the word? The phrase rightly divide comes from the Greek word orthotomeo. Now, I didn't say orthotomato, but orthotomeo is the compound Greek word. Of course, compound means it's two words put together, ortho. To Mayo. That first word, ortho, orthos, is connected to the English word ortho, orthodoxy, which orthodoxy just means right doctrine. Orthos, ortho, it has to do with something being made straight. It has to do with something being made right. For instance, an orthodontist, an orthodontist straightens teeth. They put braces on you, on you and straighten your teeth. So ortho just means right or straight. The second part is, is timno or Timeo, which means to cut. So literally, straightly cutting the word. Other translations are helpful when they use phrases such as rightly handling or accurately handling the word. So, so we are to rightly or correctly handle the word of God. So if there's a right way to handle the Word of God, there must be a wrong way to handle the Word of God as well. And we need to be, as believers, we need to be careful. We need to be discerning. When we listen, we, you know, we, we have so much at our disposal now uh, in terms of, of, of podcasts and online, and we can, we can hear a lot of different Bible studies, a lot of different preaching from a lot of different sources. A lot of different places, a lot of different backgrounds, beliefs, uh, thought processes. And so we need to be very discerning and understand when someone is rightly dividing the word and when someone is not rightly dividing the word. We need to be very careful that what we hear in terms of preaching and what we we read in terms of devotionals that are are so uh, accessible now lines up and it's truly, truly a representation of the Word. And that the writer or the speaker is rightly dividing the Word of God. I, I've been meditating over the last several weeks. Uh, uh, several of pastors' sermons over the, over the last several Sundays have been so convicting. And so, uh, just. I, I just think they found their mark. And I think they were exactly what we needed to hear. And, 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 and just so, we're, we're blessed to have that kind of preaching and to have a pastor like ours in our life. And reflecting over that during the, the days and weeks that have, that have ensued, I, I realized that we, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful that, that, we, that we realize and remember that preaching is not meant for our entertainment. And there's a lot of preaching out there that is entertainment-based preaching. And, and, and I don't read anywhere in the Bible. I, mean, I don't see any examples in the Bible where preaching was ever done for entertainment, preaching, the Bible says, is, is to save them that are lost. It's the foolishness of preaching, it says in one place. To save them that believe, the Bible says. So, so preaching is meant to hit hard. It's meant to convict. It's meant to, to correct error. It's meant to set us straight. And, and so preaching should be rightly dividing the word. And we should be very discerning and know when the word is being rightly divided and when it's not. So we must be very, very careful in that, in that area. And then, and then Paul says this. He says uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture, I mentioned this a moment ago, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So when we rightly divide the Word of God, we understand that the Scriptures are inspired, and, or they're given rather by Inspiration of God. That that inspiration word there comes from another Greek word that that that's, is, is theo neustos, which literally means God breathed. You've heard that. It means God breathed. It's the Greek word theos compounded with the, the verb neo, which literally means to breathe out. So the definition implies that the Word of God flows from the very mouth of God. It literally. Is the word of God breathing, flowing out of his mouth? And, and we, know, we know that that word is useful, it's profitable for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And so Paul says that it's very important that we rightly divide the word of God. It's interesting that Paul does say in Romans 15 4, that scripture is written for our learning. It is written for our learning, but we must understand that it transcends just giving us head knowledge. It transcends just making us smarter people. It transcends just making us more well versed in the scriptures. It 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 it's a spiritual growth that's that's happening. It's a it's a it's a spiritual um, a harvest that's happening. ...in our lives, and God is speaking to us and in us when we study His Word. The Bible, for instance, does make some scientific assertions. There's things in the Bible that have scientific significance. But it is not a book on science. The Bible has insight into healthy human functioning... ...but it is not primarily a guide for medicine or counseling. I, during the, the pandemic, with all that extra time we had on our hands last year, I spent some time looking at some resources on how to read the Bible as literature, considering it a literary work, which it is. And it was a great, great study. I enjoyed it very much. It's definitely a great literary achievement. But it is so much more than that, being that it's divinely inspired. So, so it's not just knowledge. It's not just understanding. It's divine impartation of the word in our lives, and again, that's why we rightly divide the word. One speak. One minister said, "Speak where the Bible speaks, and be silent where the Bible is silent." He was saying rightly divide the word. So, as I as I begin to to my conclusion tonight and wrap this up, uh, the intimacy of our relationship with Jesus. For that to grow, for that to increase, we must be diligent in the study of God's word. We must be diligent in our study, in our handling, and in rightly dividing the word. In addition to the Bible being God's word, I do want to mention this other point. In addition to the Bible being God's Word, it also attests to the fact that someone else is the Word of God. John 1 and 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, he continues, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So just as God spoke creation into existence, God's Word has creative power and God's Word was made flesh. That creative power, that authority and voice were now embodied in the person, the works and the words of Jesus Christ. All of that to say this, when we read, study and meditate on the Bible, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit we come into community with Jesus Christ, the Word that was made flesh. You see what I'm saying tonight? When we we study and meditate on the Bible, we come into community with Jesus Christ, who was the literal embodiment of that Word, made flesh. So this gives us access then to God's creative voice in His Word. His creative voice in His Word we have access to. And when we put His Word to our minds and our hearts, it creates new life in us. And and it is impossible to enjoy the full gambit of our walk with God without sharing the community with Jesus through His Word. It's different from worship. It's different from praise. It's even different from prayer. All of those are important. All of those are must-have disciplines in our life. Studying the Word is even different than listening to preaching and teaching. That is also important and has a very significant place in our life. But there is nothing like the discipline of studying the Word and harvesting the riches that are there. When we are in His Word, we are where God has spoken and chosen for His words to dwell. When we are in His Word, we are where God has spoken and where He has chosen for His words to dwell. And I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. I guess he said it best. He said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. And I think that's a great way to say it. I conclude tonight with a story that meant so very much to me. And I want to share it with you. And the point of sharing this story tonight is to challenge all of us to, have, uh, to, to seek a greater ...desire to study the Word of God. A greater hunger to be in the Word of God. To really recognize the value of having this book in our possession. This story excited me and challenged me all at the same time. It concerns a Chinese Christian by the name of Brother Yun. Y-U-N is his name. Brother Yuan. The first year he was a Christian... Yun helped nearly 2,000 people find the Lord. He was arrested three times, and the third time in 1997, he miraculously escaped a maximum security prison. In 2001, Yun left China and sought asylum in Germany, where he founded Back to Jerusalem, which is a Chinese mission organization. He's written four books urging people to trust God and to do what he, uh, urging people to trust God to do what God has promised. This is his story. When he was a young man, God miraculously healed his father of cancer. And in that very moment, Ewan surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And upon surrendering his life to Jesus, he immediately wanted to know more about this Jesus. His mother told him that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross, taking all of our sins and sicknesses upon him. And she further told him that all his words and teachings are recorded in the Bible. Are there any words of Jesus left that I can read, asked Yun of his mother. And his mother replied, and she said, All his words are gone. There is nothing left of his teaching. Now this was during China's cultural revolution, when Bibles could not be found. In fact, if anyone was caught with a Bible, it would be burned and the owner's entire family family would be severely beaten. But Ewan so desperately wanted a Bible that he began literally to fast and to pray in earnest desperation that he could get a hold of the words of God. He later said that he cried out like a hungry child to his heavenly Father. And for the next 100 days, the next 100 days, he prayed for a Bible until he felt like he could absolutely bear it no more. And then God gave him a vision. And, and I won't go into all the details of the vision, but God gave him a vision, a promise. And upon having that vision, uh, his mother and father began praying with him in accord and, and, and unity that Ewan would get a Bible. One day there was a knock at the door and a voice called out his name... ...and standing there at the door was a man with a red bag in his hand... ...which Yun had seen in the vision. And when he opened that bag, heart racing... ...Brother Yun held in his hands his very own Bible. He later found out that around the same time that he had begun praying for a Bible... ...an evangelist in a faraway village had seen Brother Yun in his own vision... And the Lord told this man to give Yun his Bible. And Yun said this. He said, from that moment on, I fully trusted that the words of the Bible were God's words to me. And I devoured its teachings like a hungry child. That's what he said. I'm convicted by that today. I'm inspired by it. But it convicts me today. Because... I can tell you, at my house, I don't know how many Bibles we have. In my office here at church, I don't know how many Bibles I have in there, but it's more than a few. I imagine you have more Bibles in your possession uh, than, than you even know probably. We have a, 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 just a, a banquet, if you will, of the Word of God in this country. We don't experience the, the uh, deprivations like Brother Yun did. And so because of that, sometimes... You know, sometimes it's the person sitting at the feast that doesn't feel hunger, right? And so sometimes we don't hunger for these words probably like we should. That's all of us, including me. And and so uh, upon this study tonight and upon this challenging, this dear brother Yun from China, my heartbeat tonight and my prayer tonight is, God, give me a passion for the word of God. Give me a, a hunger to know its riches and its depths and to, to the place where this book becomes more important to me than, than something somebody has frivolously posted on social media. More important than, than something somebody frivolously texts me or calls to tell me. These are the words of eternal life. All that other business is going to pass away. All, of that, other, all that other business is going to, 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 to rot and rust and corrupt... ...and it won't stand the test of time. But these words are the words of eternal life. And these are the words that I want to hunger after. These are the words that I want to thirst after. These are the words that I want to know and to have a passion for in my life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed in Jesus' name. God, I am so thankful, God, for your word. Lord, let it be a lamp unto our feet. Let it be a light into our path, God. I, I pray, God, that it would become alive and that we would, that we would experience this phenomenon, Lord, that the, the deeper we go in our study and the more we, we long to know, the more alive it will become, the more revelation will come, the more understanding will come, and the greater our hunger will be for Your Word. Reveal Your truth to us through the words of this book and let everyone be challenged by this teaching tonight in Jesus name. Everybody say in Jesus name. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed. If you have a moment, smile to somebody, shake their hand and let them know you're glad to see them. We'll see you Sunday. God bless you in Jesus name.